Hey everybody, welcome to Trans Philosopher. I am Rachel Ann Williams, your host. Um, For today's episode, I wanted to talk about a question that I have thought, thought about for quite some time now. I've been spending years thinking about this question, and that is the question of how do you know you are trans? Um, So suppose you are sitting there listening to this question and you yourself are wondering, am I trans? How would you know you are trans? How does anybody know they're trans? How did I know I was trans? Um, Personally, I'm 31 years old and I did not know I was trans until I was 28 years old. So the first thing we can just sort of dismiss right away is that Um, There's this idea that if you're trans, you have always known. Um, So, for example, if you are like, so if you have not known that you're trans since you're five years old, let's say you're 30 years old, you could still be trans. That is not the fact that you are 30 years old and don't currently know that you are trans. That does not preclude you from knowing you are trans. So we need to take away any sort of arbitrary age-based criteria when we are thinking about whether or not we are trans. The second thing I wanna say is whether or not we know we are trans is gonna come from introspection, which means looking into our own minds. So we have to sort of reflect on our experiences, our feelings, our desires, our inclinations, our proclivities. Um, We have to think about what makes us happy, what makes us sad. So we have to do a little bit of thinking in order to know that we are trans. Um, With that said, I imagine there might be some cases of people who are just so, they just feel it so intuitively strong that let's say you were what we call in the trans community assigned male at birth, so you were born male, and you have this super strong intuition that you are a woman, that you are supposed to have a female body, not a male body. You might feel this intuition so strongly that it does not require or seem to require any kind of thinking on your part. It doesn't require introspection or deep reflection. You just know it with certain certainty. These sorts of cases, I imagine, are not as common as other cases where people really need to think deeply about about who they are in order to know whether they're trans. So let's say you are kind of on the edge. Maybe you suspect you're trans. Maybe you have entertained the idea that you're trans. Maybe um, you're not really sure. Maybe you're 60% sure. Maybe you're 75% sure, but you would really like to be 99% sure. Um, One thing that a lot of people say will say, oh, you need to go see a gender therapist. But a gender therapist... All they're going to do is ask you a series of probing questions, but they cannot determine for you that you are really trans. If they write on their little notepad that this person has gender dysphoria, 
that is a bit of evidence that you can use to confirm to yourself. But at the end of the day, those therapists only have what you tell them to go on. Um, so at the end of the day, you are yourself the best advocate for yourself when it comes to determining whether or not you are trans. So a gender therapist can be helpful, but you must think of them as like a tool. You're confused about your gender and you use the gender therapist as a tool to figure out your gender, but they are not the experts on your gender. You are the expert on your gender because you are the one that has access to your mind. You know what your deepest vision is. You know what it means to be authentic for you. Nobody else knows what it means for you to be authentic. Authenticity comes from a deep place within ourselves and nobody else can determine that life for us. So we have to sort of step back and think of how we want to live our lives. Do we want to take hormones? Do, do I hate my body such that, or hate is a strong word, do I feel uncomfortable in my body such that taking hormones or having certain surgeries or medical interventions would likely relieve me of that discomfort? Well, then that is a great indicator that you are trans, that you have gender dysphoria. And if you have strong levels of gender dysphoria, then you are trans. But here's where it gets tricky. Not all trans people have gender dysphoria in a clinical sense, in a sense that is so strong that it requires intervention with hormones and surgery. So you can be trans without having clinical levels of gender dysphoria, but there are other kinds of dysphoria than dysphoria about your body. There's social dysphoria. So for example, how are people perceiving you? How are people reading you? How are they coding you? Are they seeing you as a man, as a woman, as something in between? Do you confuse people a lot? Um, are you read as androgynous? Do you want to be read as androgynous? Um, some people actually do prefer to be seen as androgynous. When they go about their day and half the people say sir and half the people say ma'am, that is a good day for them. Now, a lot of these people who are in the androgyny sphere, they use they, them pronouns. Their friends and loved ones and people who know them, they'll say, hey, what are your pronouns? How should I refer to you? And they'll respond saying, I prefer to use they, them pronouns. So you say, oh, um, you know, they really like coffee or they really like, you know, this band. You wouldn't say he or she in regards to them because that's how they feel most comfortable. Now, pronouns are a great way to figure out whether or not we are trans. So let's say you are again assigned male at birth and you want to, and you're a little unsure with if you're trans, so you start playing with the idea of asking your closest friends to use she, her pronouns. And maybe this just happens online. Maybe you create a video game profile that's a female profile. And then now you're going online and you're sort of 
you know, experimenting with the idea of taking on a female persona. People are referring to as a she. They're using she, her pronouns. Maybe this makes you feel good. Maybe this makes you feel more in tune with yourself than you ever felt. Maybe it relieves that discomfort and that anxiety that you've been feeling in regards to your gender. And on the flip side, let's imagine you're assigned female at birth and you start experimenting with he, him pronouns. Maybe you start buying a few pieces of clothing in the men's department. Maybe you, um, maybe you start, um, wearing sports bras to hide uh, the breast so that you have a flatter chest. There's lots of things you can do in order to experiment with your presentation without having surgery and hormones. So there are these things called binders. Um, assigned female people often wear them to bind their breasts. If you do this, um, in a safe manner, it is a safe way to explore your gender. And you might experiment with getting a binder. I do not recommend ace bandages or anything like that. If you're going, if you're interested in binding your breast, please, please, please look up safe ways to do it because you actually can hurt yourself if you do it wrong. But if you do it safely, it is a safe way to explore your gender if you have breasts and you want to experiment with hiding your breasts. Because often if you are assigned female and you have larger breasts, then it is hard to be read as anything other than a female, especially with our voices. Because often our voices are the things that determine whether or not strangers gender us as male or female. So that is one of the best ways, I think, that we can help determine whether or not we are trans. And that's by experimenting with our presentation, with our expression, with our clothing, and sort of like seeing how that makes us feel. And if you are lucky enough to be able to pass as the quote-unquote opposite gender without hormones and surgery, then you can experiment what it's like to sort of live a sliver of your life as a trans person. Because if you are trans, it is very common for you to take steps in the direction of transition. You will start living your life as a woman, as a man, as a non-binary person, as an androgynous person, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so you can take sort of baby steps. You know, if you are... Uh, assigned male, you can, you know, maybe experiment with painting your fingernails. You can, you know, wear a light foundation on your face. Maybe wear some mascara. Take very little baby steps. Add a little bit of color to your otherwise drab wardrobe. Experiment with wearing tighter clothing. Um, there's a million things we can do without sort of head rushing into trying to live our lives as the quote-unquote opposite gender. Um, now, with that said, I want to say that you can be trans and not really have a strong desire to do a quote-unquote like full transition. You don't have to live your entire life trying to pass as the opposite um, gender. You can 
you know, be non-binary and you can sort of like stick with the presentation you've always had and you're still valid in your identity. It's just a different kind of being trans than, excuse me, um, it's a different type of being trans because think of being trans as a giant umbrella. Within that umbrella, not everyone is going to be um, on hormones and surgery, living their life full time. Me personally, I've been on hormones for almost three years. I had my legal name changed. Um, so, on my driver's license, it has my full legal name, Rachel Ann Williams. My sex uh, designation says female. You know, so, and I've been living my life like this for years now, and it's how I go about my life. I don't try and be anyone other than myself. But if you really want to know, I don't strictly identify as a woman. I actually identify as non-binary. So when I think of myself, when I do my own exercise of who am I, what gender am I, am I a man, am I a woman, am I something else? I tend to go for the something else. Um, I think of myself as a trans person, as a trans woman, not necessarily a woman, but a trans woman, not necessarily as someone who fits into the normative boxes of society. Because if you go about society, you'll notice that there's only two boxes, male or female. But it's very, very easy for us to feel ourselves pulled outside of those boxes. And that's perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with being outside the boxes because those boxes are in many respects very arbitrary. They're based on superficial characteristics normally. Um, what kind of genitals do you have? What kind of genitals did you have at birth? Um, but what genitals we had at birth um, is not very predictive of that kind of deep, authentic vision that I was talking about earlier. The genitals you had at birth are not really going to tell you how you should live your life. They're not going to tell you how you should present yourself to the world. They're not going to tell you what pronouns are going to make you happy. They're not going to tell you um, what type of body that you should have to be happy. And when it comes right down to it, we want to determine whether or not we are trans in order to be happier. Um, it's about, you know, so many trans people suffer from depression and anxiety in regards to their gender. They feel so oppressed by these norms in society that, you know, transition is a life or death thing. It's either commit suicide or transition. You don't have to feel that extreme about your gender in order to be trans, but for many trans people, that is a reality. So keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about whether or not you are trans. It's about your happiness. It's about being true to who you are. It's about being authentic. And if you can think about these questions, you know, in a genuine way, Without, without worrying about what society thinks, what your friends thinks, what your family thinks, what your coworkers think. It's about you. It's about you and your gender. It's about you and your relationship with yourself. So you want to be true to yourself. And this sounds so cliche, being true to yourself. And often in society, we can't be true to ourselves because society will label us, label us as freaks. 
They'll label us as deviants, as perverts, as they'll misgender us. They'll, they'll say all kinds of horrible things to us. So in many respects, coming out to ourselves as trans is an act of bravery because we are sticking our fingers up to the world saying, you cannot define me. You cannot stick me in that box. You do not know who I am in a deep level because only I have access to my deeper vision. We all have access to deep visions of how we want our lives to go. So that's what I want to say about this question of how do you know you're trans? Um, there's a lot more to be said here. Um, and I hope you guys found this enlightening. Um, and uh, thank you for listening. And again, my name is Rachel Ann Williams. Um, my sort of brand as a writer, as a thinker, as a content creator is Trans Philosopher. So my Twitter handle is Trans Philosopher without a E on the end. So Trans Philosopher without the E on the end. My website is www.transphilosopher.com. Um, I just started this podcast. This is the second episode. Um, so as it becomes, um, as my distribution channels get more out there, right now you can find me on Stitcher. Um, that's kind of the main place you can find me right now is on Stitcher. Um, but yeah, I, my, but my, my, my podcast should be coming on to um, iTunes in the near future. So you should be able to find me there. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. And I hope you guys got something out of this. And I will talk to you later. Bye.